Good morning, it is Money Talk. It's 16 minutes past eight. This is James Ross. And joining me now uh, to discuss today's news stories is Gary Ung, a senior economist for APAC uh, Thematic Research at Natixis. Uh, good morning, Gary. Uh, hi, James. Good morning, everyone. Uh, nice to have you on. And let's say also good morning to Dong Chen, uh, head of Asia Macroeconomic Research at Pictet Wealth Management. Uh, a very good morning uh, to you, Dong. Good morning. Again, nice to have you on. And uh, I guess let's start with that uh, U.S. inflation data that's come out. It's been uh, closely watched this week as to what's going to happen, uh, particularly uh, with oil prices sort of attached to it. Uh, Dong Chen, what are your thoughts there? Uh, is that going to have a, a big impact on what the, uh, the Fed does next week, do you think? Uh, at this point, I don't think so, because you look at inflation, you know, mainly is energy driven, you know, uh, uh, but the core inflation actually continues to trend lower, although it's you know, at still at the kind of slow pace. But at this point, I think the bar for the Fed to hike again, I think is pretty high. So oil prices, um, you know, having a bit of an effect, uh, but if, if you take them out of the equation, not looking so bad. Exactly. Mm. Gary, your thoughts on uh, US inflation? Well, indeed, I think if we look at the uh, CPI data that we see recently, I think it's pretty much confirmed the trend that really rely on this energy price to continue to drive the CPI down. There's some improvement on surfaces in other areas in the future, but it probably shows that rates will stay higher and probably longer as well. So um, I probably it's about to end its uh, rate hike cycle, but we should not expect any very aggressive rate cut move uh, in the future. Yeah, we're losing you a little bit there, uh, Gary. We might just give you a call back if that's okay, because uh, you're cutting out. Um, Dong, so uh, interest rates, uh, as we're saying, you know, possibly likely uh, to be unchanged next week. What are the other uh, pressures, would you say, on uh, the US economy? Well, at this point, I think people need to focus a lot on the labor market and the consumption side, right? So, you know, U.S. economy has been remarkably resilient so far. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, people have been postponing their forecast for a, a recession or the debate of whether they're going to have a recession at all. Uh, but I think at, at this point, we're starting to see some very small cracks in the labor markets in the, the unemployment edging up a little bit because once someone loses their job, their consumption behavior will change dramatically. So that is something that people need to focus on the U.S. economy. It certainly was doom and gloom about uh, U.S. recession earlier on in the year, and everybody was saying that it was going to be a recession before the end of the year, but it does seem to have gone away, doesn't it? Yes, I think that's uh, mainly because uh, most people underestimated the, how strong the unprecedented uh, fiscal stimulus that has been uh, so far. Actually, uh, one big round of cash handout to households during the pandemic, and also, you know, this a cheap act and other government uh, programs are attracting manufacturing back to U.S. I think all those factors are playing a very important role in sustaining the current business cycle. Uh, Gary, do you see other pressures on uh, the U.S. economy at the moment? Well, indeed, I think if we look at the pressure that the U.S. has, it's really about the liquidity condition that because we already see that M2 is uh, the money, uh, the money supply growth is already at a negative year over year uh, contraction territory. And if you look at the real estate sector, um, definitely there will be a decline in real estate investment. So what I'm worried is that in the future, if rates continue to stay quite high and if the corporates actually need to refinance themselves right now at a much higher rate, that can have a certain impact on the investment experience 
especially on the commercial real estate side, which is possibly quite alarming or worrisome for many investors. So I think this is probably something that I would think that the U.S. would be facing. But having said that, of course, the overall economy seems to be quite resilient because of the manufacturing investment and also the general, you know, still resilient consumption sentiment uh, in the U.S. So, you know, would you say that Jay Powell and uh, Janet Yellen are, are in control at the moment? Well, I think they're still pretty much uh, in control because if you look at the inflation numbers still, I think it's uh, kind of uh, going down. Economic growth may not be so bad, even though there are uh, different sort of pressure that we're seeing. We've heard that the U.S. would be in recession for uh, one year or maybe one and a half years, but uh, actually it never arrived. And if you look at the labor market as well, actually because of some structural reasons about uh, people not willing to go back to the labor market as in the pre-pandemic uh, era, then actually everything seems to be quite tight. So uh, in general, I think the U.S. economy or the general environment is not as bad or as challenging as some of the other regions like Europe. Don, do you think um, it could become a bit wobbly, you know, if the U.S., uh, sorry, if the oil price rises? Um, there's talk now that it uh, could rise above $100 a barrel uh, before the end of the year. Uh, what could be the impact there? Well, of course, the direct impact will be uh, household consumption, right? So if the, you mean, even though the, the Fed focuses on core inflation, but the headline inflation actually is going to uh, have an impact on people's purchasing power. And, uh, you know, given what I said earlier, if you look at the labor market, start to show some cracks here and there. Uh, I think that probably is going to lead to softening in consumption going forward. Uh, let's turn to China now. And Dong, in a recent report, you say that you think near-term risk in uh, in mainland China is uh, is overblown. Um, maybe not as uh, as negative as others are saying. Why, why do you say that? Well, uh, when I said that, uh, that was in the context of everybody was worrying about the financial meltdown. I'm not saying mm. that the, the growth situation is not bad. It actually, it's pretty bad. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that we do not think that is there is high likelihood of systemic financial risks. I mean, the, the reason, the, the main reason for that is if you look at the Chinese financial sector, the bulk of it is the formal banking sector. But the banking sector's exposure, at least a direct exposure, to the property developers actually fairly limited. I mean, they have a lot of mortgage loans on their book, but they're pretty safe. But their exposure to the developer side actually is in kind of mid-single digits, so like sp- between 6 to 7% of uh, total loan book. And we think that if you do all the math, right, so the, we, we estimate the total credit loss that's the Chinese banking sector because of this uh, uh, property slum probably amounts to uh, around 2 trillion RMB. And, and then they have provision of 6.5 trillion out there. So this is going to hurt their profitability uh, for sure, but we don't think that will be a balance sheet problem as far as we mm. see right now. Mm. Uh, Gary, Country Garden, you know, has been uh, at the forefront of our minds uh, in the last few weeks. Um, it looks like it's uh, uh, hanging on in there. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, are we coming to the end of uh, these problems in the property sector? Well, indeed, I think um, if we look at the general economic situation, right, we definitely see that real estate now has already contributed a much uh, less uh, proportion to the uh, general economic growth. So therefore, it's quite hard to imagine that things get and can get even worse. So I think this is also true for the case of Country Garden. And of course, um, from the developer's point of view, uh, many of them are trying to survive. And then Country Garden is only uh, one of them. They're trying to get enough liquidity just to uh, repay uh, whatever 
debt or loans that they have, um, and which uh, in the onshore market, a lot of developers would offer the option of extension, and many investors are willing to uh, take that. However, having said that, I also feel that it's not probably the end of the whole problem, because if we do not really see home sales rebound, then many of these developers continue to see this pressure in cash flow, especially for the private developers. So um, I think in the next few months, it's extremely critical to actually see where the home sales will rebound after all these uh, measures announced by the central government or the implementation of the local governments in relaxing a lot of the uh, mortgage rules and also the, 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 the uh, interest rate and etc. So this is actually quite important uh, for the uh, uh, medium-term uh, prospect of the uh, Chinese mm. economy. But of course, Having said that, uh, if we separate the developers versus the home market, I still think that the demand in the China's home market is just whether the policy can push people to actually purchase right now. Uh, Dong, long term, you know, what would be the cost, do you think, of uh, the property slump on uh, the China economy? Well, I think the, it's pretty clear. You know, it's going to lead to a pretty sharp decline in China's uh, potential growth. If you look this way, you know, the property sector has been amplifier for credit creation in China in the past 20 years, right? So everybody takes, uh, you know, but when they buy a home, they take a large amount of uh, mortgage and that money paid to developers and got distributed to the rest part of the economy. And all of a sudden, that machine has slowed down so so significantly. It's just need to lead to uh, uh, much slower uh, potential growth. Um, Gary, the, the yuan has been under a lot of pressure and, uh, you know, the government has been trying to support it. Uh, well, what's, the, what's the future impact there? Are we going to see it, um, you know, hold steady now or are there going to be, you know, a further, is there going to be a further depreciation there? Well, indeed, uh, I think if we separate uh, this issue into two different angles, the first is obviously for investors, the sentiment is extremely bad on China-related uh, assets because they're probably quite worried about uh, policy risk uh, more than the general uh, deceleration in, in economic growth. So this has led to the other problem of if you look at the capital flows, uh, both direct investment and also portfolio investment, including bonds have actually the net capital outflow. So uh, together with the yield divergence with the, with the U.S., um, uh, basically, which is much higher than China, then it's quite possible that from the fundamental point of view, it will continue to push yuan probably back to the level of uh, 7.37 versus the USD. But of course, there are a lot of policy that we see right now is trying to uh, deter this pressure, trying to smoothen or at least reduce the pressure in the short run. But I think the measure that we see right now on asking commercial banks not to convert their uh, yen into dollar or other measures can be quite costly and there's a limit to that. So um, I think uh, that measure will not be that, um, you know, impactful in terms of, you know, changing the overall trend in the short run, unless the Fed actually change. Mm, mm. Well, we'll watch with interest next week on that. Uh, Dong, do you see any bright spots at the moment in in the Chinese economy? Are, Are there good things out there that are happening? Well, you have to look very carefully, right? So, uh, yes, we do see some emerging signs of improvement in, you know, some sporadic indicators. For example, look at the manufacturing PMI. It has been improving for the third consecutive month, even though it's still below 50. But if you look at some sub-indices, for example, look at the production, new orders, now they are in expansionary territory. 
Another uh, set of positive signs uh, on the inflation uh, front, right? Because just uh, a few months ago, people are worrying about you know China dipping into a kind of sustained deflation. But uh, you know now headline inflation is above zero again. If you look at the PPI, actually has clearly uh, reached a trough. So oh, there are signs of kind of gradual recovery of domestic demand, especially on the industrial front. But I think we need more data points to confirm that so that to turn sentiment. And investors coming back to China, any signs of that yet? Not yet. I don't think international uh, investors have come back yet, especially, you know, given the very complicated policy environment, geopolitical tensions. I think that will be uh, much more gradual, you know, if they come back at all. But uh, at least you, you have to attract the domestic investors back in first. And just very quickly, Gary, bright spots for you in China in 30 seconds? Well, indeed, I think if we look at it from the sector perspective, uh, of course, real estate is definitely the uh, worst. But if you look at other sectors, like electric vehicles, actually has been growing quite, uh, you know, aggressively, which actually prompted EU to actually mm. want to limit the export, uh, you know, from China. So I think this supply chain will be the new uh, rising star in China with investment opportunities. Gary Ung is Senior Economist for APAC at uh, uh, Thematic Research at Natixis. And Dong Chen is uh, Head of Asia at Macroeconomic Research at Pictet Wealth Management. Thank you very much to both of our guests for joining us uh, this morning.